Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different Starting Over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Hey, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the show. I am so grateful that you're here and uh, also a little bit nervous, if I'm being honest. No, okay, so context. This is probably the most vulnerable that I've ever been on my podcast. But before I explain why, if you listen to this show and it has made any iota of impact in your life, would you please, please take a moment to leave a review and subscribe? If you hit pause right now, it will take less than two minutes and it makes such a difference for the show. And it would, of course, be the greatest way you could repay me for my time at the mic and also in post editing, but more of that in a second. So going back to the reason why this episode is the most vulnerable yet for me, The reason is, is because it triggered me and I got flustered in real time. You know, it's often easier to talk about our discomfort, our pain, our fear in the past tense, but actually feeling it in the present and allowing other people to be party to that discomfort is much more difficult. So a bit of context here before I finish off that story This episode is all about how to break through fear to unlock your full potential. And fear is something that I speak about a lot because I genuinely believe that we all have ways in which fear controls and limits us, often without our own awareness of that. And the purpose of this episode is really to draw attention to the myriad ways in which fear does adjust that, the control, the limitations, and of course, how you can break free of that as well in order to experience more joy, more inner freedom, more ease, and of course, to also unlock your full potential. So naturally, we do discuss what happens when you're triggered, how to calm your body back down, how you can identify the root causes of your fear. And our guest to discuss this is fear alchemist and intuitive coach, Ben Harris. But a fear that was discussed on this episode of my own was that of a fear of failure. And get this, that very fear got triggered in real time due to continuous, and I mean continuous, audio glitching in this episode. Now, I have actually spent seven hours meticulously editing this podcast down to each sound wave and bar. So you will largely not hear those glitches and pauses. I've done that obviously to make it more comfortable for you to listen to this episode because I really think it's worth it. However, I've intentionally kept in part of that glitching at around the 30 minute mark where we address the fact that the audio is really bad, it's hard to work with. And in that moment, I kid you not, I got so flustered. I know you're probably only hearing this rather than watching it on YouTube, but my face looking at the recording, I was so red my hands were clammy, I had a weird half smile slash grimace on my face that I'm definitely going to share footage of just for the lols. Um, But I kept this in because I want you to hear me like this. I want you to observe that I start talking faster, that I start trying to control, to work out how to fix or to reschedule. Because I know that there are going to be moments that that happens for you in your own life. And Ben being the coach that he is, he coached me right through it and invited me to see the meaning and irony in it all. So I hope that this episode not only gives you some concepts, theories, and of course suggested practical strategies for moving through your own fear, but also a real life example of what it means to have fear triggered. Maybe even the same one. If you're like me and you have fears of not being good enough, of not being lovable enough, of needing to achieve excellence and not fail, 
But with no further ado, here is my conversation with Ben. Ben, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Starting Over with Shannon. It has been some time that I've been searching for somebody to speak specifically to fear on this podcast Mm -hmm. because along with shame, I'd say it's one of the key emotions that can really block a lot of us in terms of achieving our full potential and quite frankly, living happy, joyful, meaningful lives. So thanks, Ben. Yeah, Shannon, thank you so much. And you're right. Yeah, shame and fear are the two biggies. Those are the yeah. two negatives that hold essentially the keys to the kingdom. Like once once you learn how to navigate those, everything else becomes a lot more joyful and free and easy. So, so true. Well, I figured in your personal story, you don't suddenly become a coach talking all about fear, specifically without experiencing some of your own. So can you walk us through a period of time in your life where you'd say fear was very present for you. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's definitely many moments, you know, and I love the name of your podcast, like starting over. So I think that's, that's the name of the game with fear specifically and with life, right? There's so many deaths and rebirths and it's funny, right? We were just talking about the money tree in your living room. And it's the same thing there, right? Is like things die and then things rebirth. And so I don't view it as a bad thing, but that's why we do have fear. Like literally why we're so afraid of starting over and letting go and new beginnings and taking risks or whatever the thing may be is because we are biologically hardwired to survive. And so anything that feels like a death, it's like, oh my God, like I'm going to die. So do not let this happen. And that's why we resist it so much. But at that time for me, the biggest one was it was in 2018 and I had just finished university, but I had a different path. Like I pursued music. I helped build a business that really helped me in the corporate world. But eventually in 2018, I graduated university and then I started looking for different jobs. And then the universe would have it that I actually got recruited for a job on LinkedIn and it was the director role, which is like a junior executive at a finance company it's across the country in the US. And I wanted to go so badly, but I was terrified. I was so familiar and so safe with this hometown. Like it's all I knew was my family's there, my friends there, my job's there, my girlfriend's there. But for some reason, there's this inkling. I've never described it this way. It was like a fizzy feeling. You know, it's almost like champagne, like <laughs> this soft fizzly like butterfly feeling in my chest and in my gut i like that actually that's like a good way of how people know something's right for you and i remember driving in my car to work one morning and i was like okay like i need to know like should i accept this job or not because it was such a fun opportunity but i needed to let them know and i just called out to my angels which i'd never done before in this way in driving in my car on the way to work. I remember it's a winter morning. It was dark. It was cold. And I just called out, angels, <laughs> guides, beings that I don't know who you are. <laughs> I, like, I need your assistance. Should I accept this job? Yes or no? And as soon as I asked that question, the deepest, most powerful chills that I've ever gotten in my life came through my body and they came through in waves is that they would start and stop. They'd start and stop. And it was one of the coolest feelings I felt and I couldn't deny it. I was just like, whoa, that's a thing. I was like, okay, that's my answer. And I'm the type of person, like once I know my answer, I can't deny it. Like I just have to follow through. So I went and talked to my boss and he's still a good friend to this day. And he didn't think that I was going to leave (laughs) for whatever reason, but I ended up telling him I was going to leave. That was so scary. I was like shaking and then I broke up with my girlfriend at the time for whatever reason that was less less scary for me because I think I knew it was just for a reason and then telling my family packing up all the things so that was just the beginning of the story and like 2019 was it was like I know this was the beginning of everything being stripped away from me and 
I don't have like a spiritual awakening story per se. I've always been connected spiritually in, you know, different ways and levels of my life. But this was definitely the dark night of the soul, they call it, of like I left home, I moved to a place where I knew no one, I had no connections. And it was like so exciting. But long story short, what happened in this year was at the same time I left home and accepted this job, I actually invested $40,000 into a crypto investment. And down the line later that year, like six, seven months later, I lost that money. It actually ended up being a scam. So wow. I, lo I lost a lot of money. I accepted a new job. Later that year, I quit the job. And that's when I decided to go pursue my own business. I met a girl who I thought was the love of my life. And that was just like a flash in the pan, just like so up and then so down. And like for the first time in my life, I like felt truly heartbroken. Like my heart was just like ripped out because I fully believed. And I told myself the story that this is it. Like this is the thing. This is why I moved here. Like everything's working out. And so just so quickly, I just went up on the roller coaster and I just came crashing down. And so it was the first time I, you know, experienced depression. And I was just, I felt alone. I felt, you know, like I had really no friends or family around me. Like heart was broken. There's no one in the city I really connected with. I lost this money. And then I just quit my job. And so I was just like, what in the hell do I do? And it was such a moment of like everything being stripped that I was just like, the only option is to trust. And I heard a quote yesterday that I really like is like, sometimes you gain strength when strength's the only option. It was one of those moments where I was just like, there is no option but to trust. And from that moment is, you know, where everything has started to build and everything put me in the right place. Like if it wasn't for everything being taken away from me, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have this business that I'm in love with. I wouldn't have the amazing partner and the family that we've started and where I live. You know, I live somewhere different now. So it wouldn't have been that way. Like if I would have stayed home to just stay in my comfort zone, there's no way I would be where I am. And do you think like looking back in terms of the fears, because you made the steps to change your life. And even if that had led to some adverse consequences, you still took the leap. And so many people don't, you know, with people who feel they're stuck in, well, literally stuck which is by definition lack of momentum and the fact that you're not moving forward anyway. Mm -hmm. And whether that's fear that's immobilizing you or something else, but often fear. Did you have moments where it's like, I'm terrified to move or even to leave my girlfriend on some way, but that inner knowing that you describe felt stronger or some other thing in your life felt stronger to give you that momentum to make changes? I love that question. Yeah. So it's, what I often believe and say, right, is if your fear is stronger than your desire, then you will always be stuck. And people don't realize that your fear and desire are the same, is that your fear is revealing what you deeply desire. Like fear is saying, like, here's what you really care about. Here's what you love. And why you're so afraid of it is because you're afraid of not realizing it. Right. It's like, I'm afraid of moving because I want the sense of adventure. I want purpose. I want fulfillment. I want to reach my highest potential. I'm terrified of something bad happening. And so that's where fear comes in to protect me. Like, hey, there could be a negative consequence from doing this. And I want to point out, I was like, yeah, there were definitely like negative consequences, like losing the money and getting my heart broken, like being depressed, right? And so and even the first business I quit my job for failed. And so it's like, yes, I had momentum, but it was by choice. I was like, just to me, it was like, I know I have this feeling that I just got to keep going keep going and i know there's something and i know there's something and it's fortunately for me and that's part of the reason why i've learned why i feel differently and see fear differently is that i don't let it keep me stuck for the most part i mean there's definitely things that you know i'm i don't see and that i'm unconscious to but how i see and feel fear is why i know it's part of my gift is because i view it as an invitation into my next level of expansion mm -hmm. meaning it's like and it started when I was 19. Like I made a promise to myself when I was 19 to do everything I was afraid of. And so, you know, I spent 10 years practicing literally every time I felt afraid of doing the thing I was afraid of. And so that's where the momentum had come in is because I had practiced for a decade of doing that. And 
this was these were bigger stakes this time but it was like oh like i know something good comes from this beautiful and do you ever recall having a moment where you had this epiphany of wow everyone struggles with this like somehow <laughs> this thing of fear showing up in disguise having sneaky ways of controlling us wow this is a collective phenomenon <laughs> yeah you know what's funny it was it was march of 2020 which a lot of people now remember was the beginning of the pandemic so this was actually when I made this shift into quote unquote, the fear guy. And I shifted, I rebranded my business into that. And it wasn't me consciously planning, the world's in fear, let me help them. You know, it was a divine synchronicity where everything I just had mentioned had led me to this moment. And I was back at my mom's house after leaving, you know, the, the East Coast. And I was nomadic at the time, going place to place, just kind of following my heart to see where I wanted to go. And I was doing different, you know, workshops and retreats. And at one of the retreats that I hosted, I hired people to come speak at it because it was my first one. And I was like, you know, I just want to learn how you do retreats and I just want to host it and gather it and hire people. But because it was the beginning of the pandemic scare, some of the people didn't show up. And so I was there left to teach. And I didn't know what I was going to talk about until that morning. And that morning is when I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about like fear versus freedom. And that moment when I led that workshop is when I was like, oh, like people struggle with this a lot. And, and, and like what you just said, right, is I didn't realize how much people have because for me I've done it for so long I was kind of oblivious to how sabotaging it is it's literally like the number one reason why people don't do what they want and yeah. so like it was this amazing synchronicity of again I was in meditation just like when I asked driving in my car to like should I move to the city and accept this job again I was in my mom's office on a mattress that we bought from Amazon because you didn't have a bed. And I was in meditation just asking like, is am I on the right path? And again, like a similar waves of chills came through me. And I was like, okay, I'm on the right path. And then in the next one or two weeks, I rebranded everything completely reshifted to fear specifically. And then it just took off. Wow. That's, I mean, and that's how I knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And do you think for you in terms of, I mean, I've certainly made it more of a practice in recent years to get quiet. You know, these sayings are like be still and know and being more attuned with intuition and even just an inner voice and inner knowing, however people want to word that, it it, it can come through making space to to be more still. But I know that that can be actually fear evoking in itself for many people because mm -hmm. they realize, wow, I've got to face stuff that often I kept myself busy from or had some other coping mechanism, but actually now I've got to face it. Was this something that you had for a long while before? Yeah. So I guess there's kind of a, a double answer to this. Like when it came to fear and like career related, adventure related things, I could do that all day. But when it came to, you know, more intimate romantic relationships that's for me where it was that feeling you're mentioning of just like pure primal visceral fear it was overwhelming and like it just took over any sense of me and rational thinking or just and I can still remember there's a few moments with me and Belle when we first started intimately dating was like there's so many triggering not so many, but a few big triggering moments where I was, I remember being in bed and physically shaking. Like it wasn't anything big at all. It was my own imagination, which is fear, you know, running rampant of this is what's going to go wrong. And it, I didn't realize how big my fear of abandonment and being hurt was. Mm. And, and really it showed up as a fear of commitment and that's really what the fear of commitment is, right? It's like, I don't want to commit to you because I'm afraid of being hurt or abandoned or rejected. So I'm not going to go fully in in a way to protect myself. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing until we got through it. And 
thanks to her, like thanks to a partner who is just as committed as I am to doing the work or to healing and to holding space, I was allowed to feel that and go through it and then see, you know, on the other side that like, oh, I am loved and everything is okay. And then also I realized because I had so many experiences before this, similar moments where I'd feel this fear and then I'd get clingy or grip on. And then obviously that does the exact thing you don't want it to because then other people energetically feel that and then they pull away. And so I committed to not do that this time and then to not self-abandon, meaning I'm not going to pull away and I'm not going to uh, like let's over push the other way. Cling on, right? Is like, because that's the, you know, anxious and avoidant attachment style that people typically do. It was like they run or they try and figure everything out. And that's who I was, was I was like, let's find an answer right now and figure this out so I can get out of the discomfort. Because a lot of people don't think that's anxiety or fear related because I used to think it was so good, right? Of like, no, like I want to figure out an answer. I want to talk about this. But at the same time, like there's benefit to just being in this space. And like not trying to just talk about it so you can get out of the discomfort. Sometimes it's just being in it and allowing that space. So you're not running toward or you're not running away. You're just being in the present moment to allow it to unfold naturally without force. Beautiful. Well, thank you for bringing it up because I know that that is a common experience. And it's a good point about being unaware or being unconscious as you describe it of certain behaviors and patterns. And I always say like the first step with healing, I think people who follow this space in general with self-development and spirituality, they know that in order to change anything, they need to first become aware of it. But even that realization of, wow, I'm clinging on or I'm not wanting to commit because actually my fear deep down is... I I want to be loved and I don't want to lose that love. I don't want to be abandoned. And it leads me on to what I want to come to about in how can we identify what the root fear is? Because I speak about this in general in Mm. terms of identifying causes and symptoms of behaviors. And I think it can really be difficult to identify the root of anything and yet it is so key it's like you can't just chop off the branches and hope that the disease is fixed it's like no you've got to treat the roots you've got to go down to that but it can be so difficult to do it and I often find with fear as well it can be so layered you know somebody could be thinking I have an immediate fear of losing my job well well why and what fear is under that it's okay okay fear of insecurity fear of you know where does it go and Mm -hmm. speak to this idea of layered fear and identifying the root cause of it i love it well shannon yeah you're definitely speaking my language right it's like i'm definitely the same thing if using you know the branch or a weed or whatever you want to call it is like so many people just address the surface symptom that's in our physical health that's in our emotional mental health whatever you want to call it But if you never get to the root, it literally will repeat for the rest of your life. And to me, that's the definition of suffering. And that's why I believe fear is the root of all suffering because it's our first primal emotion, which is to survive. Once you feel that feeling of anxiousness, of nervousness, of resistance, of hesitance, of pushing away, of grasping on, that's how you know fear is there. And it's so sneaky, like you mentioned, Because you wouldn't say like, oh, I'm nervous, that's fear. or Oh, I'm doubting myself, that's fear. It's like, no, that is because it's like, that's just the surface symptom. And when you get down to the root of it, is there some fear that is protecting you that you don't feel safe, right? And that's why it's so key to get to the root. So the first thing that I usually have people do is just journal and start tracking your triggers. Because essentially, anytime you're not in a peaceful, present, loving state, then most likely you're in a state of fear, right? It's like, even if you're stressed about work, like, oh, like, I got so much to do, like, that's a fear response. That's a survival response that you're in fight or flight. That's what stress is in your body is that something is wrong that you need to fix. And so when you start paying attention, of like, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, I'm anxious. I'm not here in this moment. Then you're somewhere else trying to fix something in the past or in the future of, well, I don't feel safe and so I'm going to try and control something. 
from bad happening. And that's where fear comes in, right? It's like this illusion that something bad is going to happen. So I need to stop it from happening. And so when you begin to track your triggers, you'll see, beginning with this awareness, this is why it's so powerful, like literally just writing down, oh, I'm at the store and I'm scared to talk to the the clerk because, I don't know, they're cute or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, Or I'm just anxious socially anyway. Or I'm sitting watching Netflix with my partner at night and I'm thinking about the next big project at work the next morning. If you're feeling like anything like that, and then you know that's like, okay, fear is coming in to protect me from something. And then once you write that thing down, it's like, okay, well, what do I feel and where do I feel it? Well, if it's, you know, I'm in bed thinking about the next day, it's like, well, I'm feeling anxious. Well, why am I anxious? It's like, well, because I'm not sure if I did this good enough. It's like, okay, well, then you actually might be afraid to make a mistake or failure for that matter. And, you know, I have different prompts that I give people in the course that literally guide them through it. And I can even, Shannon, do you resonate with this fear at all? Do you want to do just a quick role play? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let me pull this up because this, I feel like it's always more helpful for people to have like a real example instead of me just saying things. So we'll do, let's stick with, so fear of failure and making mistakes are similar. Mm -hmm. Which one do you feel like you resonate with the most? Failure. Okay, cool. And again, these can be real for you or just, you can just be inserting whatever you feel like would be a response for people. Oh, get so, real. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so what's the thing you don't want to fail at? Hmm. Well, let's see if I can just use this podcast. The thing is, I often think mm -hmm. of how do you know how to define success and what success mm -hmm. actually means, which perhaps is something different. But uh, let's say that I fail in this podcast because I haven't met the goal that I set for myself to be at a certain audience numbers, have a certain impact through the podcast that I endeavor to reach. Okay, this is great. Thank you for like being so open and vulnerable. So just fill in the blank. I don't want to fail at the podcast because why? Because I don't want to feel inadequate and unworthy. Okay. So if you have that feeling of inadequacy, then what does it mean about you personally? That I'm not worthy of love or that I couldn't feel a sense of belonging in a wider community mm. and so what's really and i know you've done a lot of this because you can easily access it right so the first one you said right like unworthy of love i know that can be resonant for a lot of people but sometimes people just say it because that's what they've heard other people say and so when you said that, that second one right that sense of belonging in a community that's i felt more energy in that one from you like mm -hmm. when you said it of like the sense of belonging so let's say so you don't want to fill out the podcast because you feel inadequate if you feel inadequate then it essentially means you don't belong so if you don't belong then it proves that you are what i mean that's where i would say a sense of unworthiness i don't belong mm -hmm. maybe i don't feel i'm not Maybe there's an element of security. I don't know, security or safety. I feel like on some level it links with a sense of shame, like a, a feeling of I've got to hide, like I can't show up and I wouldn't be accepted from others without the accomplishment or the praise from other people or the sense of, well done, Shannon, you did a good job. Okay, beautiful. Like, this is great. And this is why talking about it and going through this is like so helpful. Because then you see it's like, okay, it's like, of course, I don't want to fail. I mean, that just makes sense. No one wants to like really fail. <laughs> and so but going down the prompts and getting to the root like we are is like, oh, this is the real reason why I, you know, feel this anxious feeling. So let's keep going down the line with if you don't receive that good job, Shannon. Because I feel like that's an important thing for you and so many people listening is really 
you don't want to fail because it would be an absence of that. Mm-hmm. So if there's an absence of good job, Shannon, what does it mean about you? Like That I'm not okay, that I'm not doing okay, that I, I don't know beyond that. Yeah, and, and that's okay. But there's one thing deeper that our ego and fear protects us from because there's this one thing that's hidden that's like oh that's that's like we're getting down into the root right but there's like a big like series deep root under there and so if there is no good job you did great it's like of course i won't feel enough but what moments or memories do you have of that feeling of not feeling enough or not feeling like what you're doing has met the requirement Mm. The first thing to come to mind, uh, strangely, I don't know why, was an experience when I was at college between school and university in England, and I was expected to be the grade A student. I expected of that of myself, but I also had teachers and others expect that of me, probably due to past performance or whatever they deemed to be my potential. And I remember my teacher taking me aside after I did my university entrance exams and I got a B in sociology and she said I know you could have done better than that like what happened Mm -hmm. and in that moment I felt I felt her disappointment and I felt like I didn't meet up to her expectations even though on some intellectual level I could recognize the absurdity of that and how insignificant that was overall but in terms Mm -hmm. in terms of the feeling in that moment there there was, I don't know whether it was fear, but it was certainly a low feeling of of not being not being good enough for somebody else. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And and like you said, right, is there's a reason like why it comes up is like we don't need to get super analytical about it of but that obviously has some connection to like it doesn't have to be a, a lot of people think it's like, oh, like this early childhood memory is like, no, you could be an adult and have experiences like this where you're for you, right? It's like you have this amazing potential and I totally relate to this. And you can see that a B in the long term is insignificant. You know, like this one exam, this one thing isn't completely determining your future. However, what you said, that feeling is what's really important that we mention and like zone in on is because that's what matters is like our body doesn't know that it's insignificant right our body doesn't know that it's oh like i know it's just to be i'll be okay in the moment is like i was expected to be perfect and i wasn't and someone expressed their disappointment in me so then i internalized though like i am not enough right i am inadequate if i am nothing but the grade a student and i know logically we can say well it's like of course i know that's not true but those moments are what we internalize in and it it forms right it's like our past pain informs our future fear that's a good line our past pain informs our future fear so true this quality is is so poor i'm gonna message bell to see if she can turn off her wire. I'm just, oh, I'm sorry. I haven't, like, I haven't had it in this obvious way before, and I don't have a backup service to use right, right now. Um, if for whatever reason this is really not working, even when I try and fiddle with it afterwards, would you be open to having another hour with me? And I, and I, I see if I can get Riverside or Squadcast to work better. Yes. And yeah. I'll, I'll, yes, and I'll also offer, like, I don't think it's an accident. Yeah. Because what are we talking? So what are we talking about in this moment? <laughs> the failure. <laughs> right. Of like, and I know this is could be such like a silly example, but it's real. And I had a feeling once it started happening, there's something connected to it. So it's like, we can use like, this is such a real example, like in the moment. And this is so cool. How like 
it reveals itself in this way in real time. But like for you, if the quality of the podcast of the audio isn't perfect, and that even goes back to the first example, right? Not wanting to fail at the podcast. So if the audio isn't perfect, what does that mean? Yeah, that it. I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough. And yeah. And then what will people do or say or think? That I'm not good enough either, I guess. They'd criticize. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And probably the reality is I know I have more to offer. I know I could do better. And just even raising that example of the teacher, I always questioned what does your best actually mean? People said to me, you don't need to achieve an A, but give your best. And I always found that difficult because I couldn't identify what my best was. And at what point your best can cost you something? Because there's always a, there's always a, a cost in some element or a loss of some way, whether that's a loss of time or money or whatever, there's some element there. And I found that a hard lesson to learn. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand that too. It's like, well, what is our best? But also like, I want to be the best. It's like this interesting thing of like, and this is honestly something I, at the level I'm at, I feel like I've actually learned like in my own business of like, and just to reflect back to you, is like, can you control the Zoom quality? <laughs> No, thanks for pointing it out, Ben. But I try to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And like, why do you try to? Because I want everything to be perfect and live up to my standards. Amazing. Okay. So that's what I knew this was. So is like, you want everything to be perfect because if it's not perfect, then you are what? I'm a worthless piece of crap. <laughs> mm, no, but underneath there is that feeling of like, oh, I can't, I can't show this side or I can't show this side in the moment. And here's a point that came up for me. I'm so up for vulnerability, authenticity, having conversations about this. I fully believe and I'm absolutely convinced that the world would be so much better and we would be so much happier if we openly discuss this and openly move things through this. And yet living it in that moment, not talking about it in retrospect is enormously more challenging. And I thought even on your point of like looking at fear in the moment versus in retrospect, I wonder if it's easier to accept our failures or the source of our fear in retrospect because the fear that we anticipated wasn't met because we weren't ostracized mm. from the community or because we still received love from other people. That meant that we could not be so emotionally impacted by that loss in some way. I love that so much. And I love that you bring it up that way. I've never said it exactly like that. And it's how I bring it forward is like what I would ask of you, right? Is like, usually is like, well, I applied the past into now, right? Because you can use that school example of like, did that be ruin your life? No. No. And so it's like, will this podcast audio ruin your life a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> honesty bit more. yeah i love it right so it's like i mean probably i mean probably just like the work effort you'd have to go and edit right that's what i would imagine is the more arduous part of it but maybe you're supposed to go listen to it that carefully but like why it's so important to go to the root is because it's like the feeling that you feel of like of course no one wants crappy podcast audio no one wants to get a b when they could get an a but what we don't realize subconsciously is what we're feeling of like oh like i really do feel that if i'm not perfect then i am not good enough that i am unloved yeah and i think on some level it's because there is something that you learn as a familiarity with your story and maybe listeners resonate with this too that it's like okay i've identified that i have a trigger about that oh that's just my abandonment issue and you're speaking with it from a level of detachment whereas yes. actually now what i've just experienced is i'm triggered by the fact that this audio quality isn't what i expected it to be which is getting me at the exact place that 
I do have fear around. And even if I've made gains to, I'm, I'm fully aware of it. I know where it comes from, but it, it still arises as a present moment pain on some level. Exactly. Or discomfort. Exactly. And that's, and again, like I appreciate being so open about, about it because it's literally like a real time thing, which is pretty wild, um, which doesn't always happen exactly like this. But I know, you know, it's for you and it's for us. It's for the collective. And I know so many of your listeners will appreciate it because it's like, I know it seems small, but it's actually really big. And I actually, in one of the examples I use is actually about a school exam. And so it's, I thought it was kind of funny that you used a school exam as your example, because it's so common for people to relate to that out of like, oh, of course I don't want to get anything but an A. But it's like, well, why you felt that disappointment? And there's so many spirals that you're unaware of, of what fear feels like, right? Of like, oh, my parents will be disappointed in me. Oh, I was like, then I won't get into the school or the grad school or the job that I want, which could affect me as like getting the partner I want. And it's like, you have to follow the spiral of fear, like what we've done to really get to that root of like, oh, that, that, that hits me. Because you said, well, I feel inadequate. I feel not good enough. But then once we actually hit it, like I felt your energy change and your body language change of like, oh, like if I'm not perfect, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, of course, we know like that's not true, but it's important to hit that feeling and become aware of it because then you can move from that because subconsciously that's what fear is protecting you from. I don't want to fail this podcast because I, oh, I actually literally am trying to avoid not feeling good enough. But what's interesting about that is if you keep operating on this level, what will happen? Like what way will you keep feeling if you keep operating from the place of I'm not trying to feel not good enough? I guess you'd be operating from a place of lower negative energy. Somehow it feels more stressed, more overwhelmed, more frantic, less, less ease, less joy, less exactly. focus on the other as well which doesn't feel as good either <laughs> yeah and so it's why i bring that up is because that's usually what we're operating from is like we're operating from a fearful place of like oh i don't want this to happen or i don't want to feel this way but ironically fear does the exact thing you're trying to avoid because then you will literally feel not good enough i'm trying to avoid not feeling good enough but you'll still find ways to not feel good enough and that's why it's so important of why I mentioned earlier of like, it's so important to get to the root because you could still keep trying to fill that hole with other things. And of course, these things will keep revealing themselves throughout life. That's just how life is, like different levels and layers. But now it's like, oh, like I can be free of this now that I'm aware of this. And I know that's not true. And I'll kind of skip to the end. And I know that since you've done this work, you can do that. But like, what do you want to believe instead of like, if I'm not perfect and I'm not good enough, if you could literally go back to the school example and reprogram yourself in that moment, like change your DNA and like go into your subconscious and like rewire her thinking and feeling instead of feeling disappointed, what would you want to believe in that moment? That the perceived failure or inability to meet supposed expectations in that moment that that isn't a reflection of some inherent lack of worth or lovability within myself and I don't need to allow that experience or that comment to etch something negative to add to the backpack of criticism that forms up my inner critic or yeah. And to introduce somehow more lightness, but it's okay. That actually doesn't matter. <laughs> and to not taking everything so so seriously, because I think that's the other flip side. It's there's the lightness goes amongst fear. Mm -hmm. And I love how you said the word etched, because that's literally what it does, right? Like it etches something into us, like carving into stone. So what if you could say like an I am statement? What would you want to believe about yourself in that moment? I am lovable. 
I'm still intelligent. I think there's an element of I'm still, I'm, I'm, it doesn't, like as if something, I'm not diminished by it. Like I'm still lovable. I'm still worthy. I'm still intelligent. Mm -hmm. I'm still an achiever. I'm still somebody who prioritizes success in some way or excellence or I want to contribute I still that hasn't mm. been removed from me from that experience damn I love that so much I can definitely feel we're similar of like striving for excellence and we can still do that and that's this perfectionism and this fear of making mistakes of like well if I'm not perfect then I'm not excellent but actually well, what if that does even make us more excellent or what if that makes us more brave what if that makes us more lovable like to me, that honestly, I mean, that's the truth of everybody, right? No one's perfect. But like what you're doing right now, it truly proves that you are definitely still intelligent. I don't like the comparison tool necessarily, but in my eyes, I would say you're more intelligent because you are willing to fail in making a mistake. Mm. Do you consider courage to be an antidote to fear or what is your views on courage it feels like a flip a flip side of fear what does fear demand of you or if you want to counteract mm. that yeah i love that great question so one of the ways of you courage right is that you can't have courage without fear meaning a lot of people view courage as like fearlessness but that's not true at all courage is like oh i i'm actually afraid and i'm still doing the thing or saying the thing or being the thing, you can't have one without the other. And even this whole talk of what we're talking about, like overcoming fear, you can't make fear disappear either, which seems completely backwards. And it's like, well, Ben, what is the whole point of this? It's like, that is the point, is to feel it, to recognize it, to allow it to be there and still move forward. Yeah. It's like we are human. Like we are biologically designed to feel fear. It's going to be there. Yeah. But so the goal is not to become fearless. Like that no. is just not part of your vocabulary. What about other common sayings like feel the fear and do it anyway? Or I love that you bring this up. So I think that is useful. It is a great like to simplify fear and like courage. It is very useful. And because I'm a nuanced person that can be unhelpful to a point too. Meaning, you know, remember the example I gave about in my romantic relationship of just trying to like fix the problem instead of being with it. Sometimes it can be that of like, I just want to do the thing to get over it. And so actually sometimes feeling the fear and doing it anyway is actually an avoidance. Ah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so it's, so it's, it's like, a way of the taking action to actually avoid sitting with what's presently happening. Correct. And like another example I would just give is, I guess, maybe like an athlete, you know, because I think that's such a thing where they're told just to like be strong or, you know, push through the pain. And we consider that brave or like a warrior or a soldier. But actually, that's a big mask. Right. Because then it's like, I'm actually afraid of not being strong and not taking action and not being the first one to go and not being the leader. And so it's like, we view that as strength, but actually it could be a big fear of them, of theirs, of whoever that may be. And it's even related to this perfectionism thing too. So it's, I feel like that can turn into avoidance because it's like, I am the person who does everything I'm afraid of and I'm brave and I'm courageous. And you're using, that to really numb what you're actually afraid of could that even be a fear about feeling fear <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people are just yeah afraid of the feeling because they believe it's wrong or bad or weakness yeah let's come on to how we can actually move through fear i think we've all accepted that we, we recognize ways in which fear can make us feel uncomfortable that it can diminish our happiness and joy that it can limit us from achieving our full potential going back to what you said earlier about you know there's probably more dreams that haven't been achieved due to not even trying and being held back by fear than actually trying and then failing in that instance you know like fear holds us back but what can we do about it i love it so there's just to add to that point there's this helen keller quote that says 
Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. And I love, oh, I just got chills. And like, I love that because it's exactly what you talked about. It's like, really? Like, if you're making decisions out of fear and scared and hiding and avoiding, is like, you will literally have the same success rate as like, as people who are out there putting themselves out there and trying. But the opposite side, right, is like, like you literally never try, then you always fail. So you're actually doing the exact thing that you don't want to do. And I know that's a big thing for people of like, well, I don't want to do this thing because I could fail. I was like, well, then you already have. You've actually self-rejected. You have failed yourself. You've abandoned yourself before the other thing did. And the sneaky thing of what happens, the insidious thing of what happens is you are providing that same evidence then that you are not good enough. Yeah, And that's what your brain's looking for. Right, your brain is looking for something to prove because it wants to be right, whatever it believes. So you are therefore providing the evidence that, oh, look, the thing that I was afraid of happening just happened, but your ego doesn't know it's you that caused it. So therefore, I still feel not good enough. And it just, again, etches another thing in stone of a reason why I shouldn't do this thing. And so, I mean, the simple answer, right, is if you're at the beginning is just exploring your edge of doing the things that you're afraid of, even just like a simple thing that I've acknowledged my life in the last few months is I've been afraid of speaking my desires. So one thing I've done with my partner is like, even when we ask for what's for dinner, instead of just saying, Oh, I'm good with whatever, like Mr. Go with the flow is yeah, I'm okay with whatever we have, but start speaking what I actually prefer instead of just suppressing it and hiding it and, you know, doing what everyone else wants to do instead of me. So even as that's such a small example of what is your edge? What is the thing that you are afraid of doing, saying, being? And you don't have to like jump all the way in and do some massive action. Like, yes, you can do that, but also you can just start really small. Another helpful thing is having someone who can lovingly and compassionately hold you accountable. And finding someone who can do that with you, whether it's a coach, a, you know, a lover, a friend, I think is so helpful. So you guys can cheer each other on. And, like, and, how, tr- and how we can do that for each other, right? You know, it makes me think mm-hmm. how a lot, oftentimes in this, this self-help industry, so to speak, it's all focused on ourself, oneself. We, we speak about relationships and so on, but it's always from the you are at the center. But actually, you know, that just made me think of even that example you give about asking for your desires more with dinner, if that's an open conversation that you have with your partner, she's aware of that, she's aware of the root of that, where that came from, why that's difficult for you when it might not be difficult for her or for somebody else listening to this right now. But if she's aware of that and the steps that she's that you're trying to make to improve on that in yourself, she could say, no, honey, what do you, what do you actually want? Which she does do. And there we go. And it's the simple things, isn't it? And it could be, say, my partner or, or I don't know, even someone listening on this podcast right now, they say, you know, that was great. Thank you for actually being real there. And that little that little comment from somebody else who that they can give that to you or that we can give that to them to help them through it and to be that good cheerleader for somebody else as well. Yeah. And I think, well, I know that's been the most helpful thing for me is investing in coaches, and this partnership has transformed my life, like truly in so many ways I couldn't imagine. And I was, that's another thing we didn't talk about, but I was definitely afraid of relationship because it's like, then it's out of my control. Then I do have to be more vulnerable, like more open and more seen. Like that's another big fear that people have that I've struggled with is being seen. Because that just feels like overwhelming and vulnerable. But yeah, like, I love your anecdote about it's interesting. We call it yeah, self-help and it's such a mix because it's like, yeah, we are ultimately only responsible for ourselves. But I also think another thing that we overdo in this world is like, like independence because it's like, like a war against codependence, but we're actually literally born codependent. Like we cannot take care of ourselves. Like we have to have someone take care of us. 
And one of our most important needs is connection. Like we have to have it. And I think there's something beautiful about saying like, I, I was going to say I need someone, maybe not need, but like relying on someone. I think that's a beautiful aspect of like what I found in my relationship is we are two whole people, you know, coming together, not expecting us to like fulfill something, but at the same time, we have requests and desires and needs and like expectations of our partnership that we've built. Again, it's like everything is nuanced of relying on each other and at the same time being fully too wholly responsible, accountable humans. Yeah. And you're, you're right to draw on the balance there. And even the comment you just made about connection, the importance of connection and the intrinsicness of connection too I mean that's just what we are as human beings but realizing actually how how much that is at the root of a lot of people's fears yep rejection abandonment even failure as I just described and I'm sure a multitude more they all link to others yep they do can you speak to the key overarching fears that people have and some main strategies that people could do to get started on this way of meeting it. So you've said, okay, explore what the edge is, but what else could there be within that? Mm-hmm. I get to the edge and the edge is often where people retreat. <laughs> they don't they don't want to be there. That's the danger zone. And then that's it. So you get triggered, you retreat, you get triggered, you retreat. That does nothing to cultivate somebody's sense of confidence or self-trust or belief in their ability to be courageous. So what do you do when you get to that point? based on these different things that people could have so this is so funny this is the balance of what we've even talked about like this is like almost a tough love portion of like eventually you just have to freaking do it right like i can give you all the tools all the books all the podcasts in the world but eventually you have to be the one to do it you have to be the one to say like enough is enough i'm gonna do the thing i'm gonna say the thing i'm gonna explore my edge And eventually, I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, like you will, like enough will be enough. And you're like, I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't want to reject myself anymore. I don't want to hold myself back anymore. So I am going to do that thing that I've been afraid to do. And then you will realize just by doing that one thing that it's like, whoa, this is really liberating. And then you'll keep doing it and doing it. And then you'll build and build and build. And then you start to feel so liberated that you can never see an option of going back. And... So that's what I would just say, like literally just do one small thing. Like if it's the smallest thing that no one's even watching or caring about, or if they don't see, like what is just that smallest thing that you could just, not even just, like you walk up to the edge and you just stick your hand over (laughs) and and pull it back, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe people have different personal strategies with this because there are some, I mean, when I was back in my teacher days, we had a thing about somebody's growth zone, their stress zone, their growth zone and their comfort zone and looking at how you could be in that middle range so that you're not highly triggered. You're not in a point where you are overwhelmed and can't function, but you're in the, you're in the sweet spot where real learning, real change can actually happen. And yet in the context of fear, like let's even take say bungee jumping or skydiving or something. So this is what people might often think about when they think of a big fear. And there's a sense of, okay, just do it. Like you said, but it's such a big jump. (laughs) And I'm thinking back to a retreat that I did where one of the one of the workshops was actually on doing something with fear. Now it was a jump that wasn't very high. It wasn't particularly scary, but that's what it was supposed to evoke. And even then I realized that there was a sense of, I cut myself off entirely from the fear. And in a way I dissociated, but it wasn't healthy because I wasn't actually learning. Okay. I can actually be with fear. I just tried to turn it off entirely mm-hmm to be able to take that leap. I don't know whether you've had any experience of that or how you could explain why that might not be a good thing for someone. Dang, Janet, I love that so much because that's exactly, man, like that's the feel feel the fear and do it anyway thing of, and do you know who Rachel Hollis is? Yeah. I saw her do a post. She's actually skiing in the Alps by you. But um, 
she was talking about how she's wasted so much time being afraid of being afraid. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're turning, right? It's like, she could say that I'm doing the hard thing. I'm doing what I'm afraid of. But actually, she was literally just turning it off, which is helpful. Like, nothing is wrong with that, right? Of Like, that's what naturally humans will do is like, we don't want to feel the feeling. And that's our survival trauma response to do the thing so we can get through it and then regulate, like come back to normal again. But like you said, is like, well, you're actually really not allowing yourself to truly grow in that moment of like, you're just dissociating. And I feel like the easiest tool is like the breath because I forgot who said it, but it's, you know, fear is excitement without the breath. And it's like, why we stop breathing is because we are in a fight or flight survival response. And so we, you know, hold our breath, we tense up, we start sweating, like our vital organs shut down so we can evade the danger. And that's what will happen of why you shut down is because it's literally like, I am in danger. I can't feel, I can't think, I just need to get through this. So it's over. Um, and that's what you were doing in that moment. But it's like, how can we just sit with it for a moment? And that's what I'm big with of even when I just said, right, of like, just do the thing. It's starting small. And like what you said about, you know, the danger zone or stress zone, like whatever that individual thing is, because we're all so different and like our risk tolerance, our different traumas and experiences will allow us to do certain ranges of that feeling and experience. But like the simple thing is just like the breath, one deep breath or closing your eyes and then also just allowing yourself to feel it. Like why I asked you when you were going through that experience, I don't think we touched really on like where you felt it, but I said like, where do you feel it and what does it feel like? I can see how that would, like gaining the awareness of what's going on can really help in intolerance. Because I think when when you don't have that awareness, so for me, I was getting a bit flustered. I definitely felt myself get hot in the face, in my cheeks. I probably was a bit clammy mm -hmm. in my hands. My breathing was higher in my chest, not in my lower chest. And there was a sense of, I need to control. I, I need yep. to... I need to manage things and how, ca and there's a frantic energy, like I'm shaking my hands around now for people that <laughs> are just listening because there's a sense of, oh, I've got to, I've got to hold on because if I don't, everything's just going to fall apart. And yet, strangely, you calling me out and saying, look what's happening right now in this moment, like this is triggering you exactly where it was. That was the moment actually that I recall what was happening in my body. So I can say that in that moment, I was aware, oh gosh, yes, I'm reacting to this. And yet, is it really that bad? And there's possibly a sense of somehow it diminished because I think that you had an acceptance there. You you were compassionate about it. Slightly ironic, that also helped. Like you, it was light. Like, is it like, what is the divine timing of this? And just being light about it. I mean, so the other in that instance, how you were with me there helped. And just the little points, like it's outside of your control. Like somehow when we get so caught up in that fear response, we lose perspective entirely. Yeah, because it's literally like survival. It's literally in that moment, this is your body and mind isn't in. Let's sit down and rash those experiences and together. And there were actually beautiful tools within that. So I appreciate you extracting those at the end of like, here's what we just did of breath pausing feeling it acknowledging it and even being light about it and playful about it and accepting it that's how you do it hmm. i'm going to move into a final fast few questions now ben so the first thing i want to ask you is is there something that you used to believe that you no longer believe i would say this difference between hard work and ease meaning like because i worked so hard in my corporate career that I almost came like anti-hard work, you know, and I was like, I just want it to be easy. But really what that was, was again, avoidance. And so coming into this middle balanced and nuanced area where I can actually have moments of pure dedication and devotion, which may look like hard work. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually really fulfilling and really fun to give my all and put my all into something. That doesn't mean that I'm like avoiding or overworking but fully like dedicating myself to something is actually really meaningful and fulfilling. And then I can go like hang out with my family. And like yesterday had a full day in the sun. 
So it's like, I can do both, meaning it doesn't have to be one or the other. Lovely. Second, looking back, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your more fearful self? <laughs> is this part of every podcast question or just you made it more fearful because of me? I made it fearful because of you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, it would just like, it's okay to be afraid. And I know that's so simple, but even for me, I still get caught up in like, because I am the fear guy, I shouldn't be afraid. Yeah. Right. I need to be the example. I need to be the one who's perfect and like showing people how to do it. But that's not even just in my more fearful, like that's now, like it's okay to be afraid and to feel the feeling. And lastly, what is one closing message that you'd like to give our listeners who are on this healing and self-development journey? Mm. Is that you, you honestly, and this is kind of cheesy, but it's like you are more powerful than you realize. Like it's crazy. Like I'm still discovering it. And I think that's such an important thing of doing hard, scary things is because you realize that, whoa, like I'm actually really limitless. And I'm like, really anything is possible. And so that's the one thing I would say is like, you were, you will surprise yourself with what you're capable of once you start doing, being, saying scary things. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time and sharing and bringing such heart, honestly. I felt your heart and your love for this and compassion also for me. Good, <laughs> my that's my goal. Fear of failure of being honest and open about all of this. So I really appreciate it. So welcome. And thank you to all of you listening. I hope that you found this episode inspiring, illuminating, thought-provoking. And just a final word on my part, well done. High praise to all of you for continuously choosing self-development and growth. I totally believe in all of you, in your ability to make change and our ability to make the world a better place. 